Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Good morning and welcome to Awaken. You're listening to Mark Holcraft, joined by Dr. Joe Holcraft. Good morning, Dr. Joe. Good morning, brother. How are you? Well, I'm well. Thanks. How about you? Oh, I'm doing well. You know, I I teach on Tuesday nights, and it's quite late. I finish around probably 10, 15, 10, 30 my time. So I basically go to bed, wake up, and and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That that can be a Tuesday night for me, too. Or that's more like Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, yeah. the, the days uh, start early with Awaken, and then they end a little bit later. I end Wednesday. I teach religious formation for some high school mm. students here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it can have that. Uh, it's a full day. <laughs> it's good. It's a full, it's a full day, uh, but, but one that is a gift, right, Mark? I, I was made to think upon you know, about that this morning, just uh, the real gift of being able to reflect into the richness of the Word of God. Right. And to engage the faith. So as your intro cues, that we might be awakened to um, what a life in Christ looks like by the grace of God, go you and I and you know this exploration of the word of God so that we might enrich others. That really what we do is at best, right, a cooperation with with God's grace. So amen to that. Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of cooperating with God's grace, let's pray. Amen. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to discuss the faith and to pray into faith. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bless and guide Joe and myself and all of our listeners. May this morning be an opportunity of reflection, prayer, a conversation started for others. However it is that your will would be brought about through reflecting and meditating on you. Blessed Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession. We also pray and ask for the intercession of uh, the saint of today in the liturgical year, St. Polycarp. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Joe, as you jumped on this morning, I just want to echo Eli's sentiments. Uh, if our listeners don't know who Eli is, Eli is our producer for Awaken. And uh, he stands behind a window that I see, still wearing his winter hat. I'm not sure if it's because he's cold or because he just loves the Bucks that much. Um, but he was noting it, it was a balmy 15 below zero when we came in this morning, Joe. Um, I think it, it may have gone up a degree or two. I don't know. Uh, Gosh, that's cold. Uh, it's cold, and it's you yeah, know it's that's cold. that's without the wind chill factor. Wind chill factor it's around thirty below. Um, but I think one of the true measures of those who live in the northern Midwest, North Dakota, uh, is we get really excited when the sunlight stays out later. 
<laughs> you know, when we start to notice that the days are longer, you know, daylight, we get pretty stoked around here. And, that, and that's where, so <laughs> I'm not going to let the 30 below zero dampen my spirit here, Joe. <laughs> yeah, the, day, yeah. the daylight's getting longer and this is good. We get excited. <laughs> I think that was one of those moments when I officially arrived as being a local to the Northern Midwest, not California. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. I, I think. I mean, I don't. Ohio is not northern Midwest. I, I guess it could be considered northern Midwest. I don't know. It's not or South Dakota, Minnesota. But anyhow, certainly. Um, yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, this morning, Joe, we're talking the two foundations from the Gospel of Matthew. We continue with Matthew. We continue to explore these questions, uh, either from Jesus or to Jesus, um, and in. So this is a rich topic every time it is. You know, it's funny we're talking, Joe, about this, you and I, and as we're preparing for today, and the thought that comes to mind is, gosh, Joe, this is a good one. And how often do we how often do we say that as a precursor? Oh, this is rich, you know? Um, it's like, well, it yeah. is the Word of God. It, of course, it's all going to be rich, but I think sometimes there's a scripture reading that just either it stands out not just to us, but maybe to a lot of uh, commentators, too, regarding scriptural scholars and in, in with the insights they can breathe into this. So I'm excited to dive into this this morning. Uh, if there's anything a little bit unique, as you and I were talking, Joe, is, okay, we're talking the two foundations. It really is, um, the, the, the theme, if you will, is really picks up beautifully from last week when we were talking. Um, yeah, it really does. And, and I think it's going to be worth our while to, to, to some degree, bring last week into our conversation this week, because clearly that's the intent of our Lord when he's, uh, you know, when he's uh, addressing us here in this morning's gospel. Well, let's, let me, uh, just for our listeners' sake, to know what we're talking about. This is taken from chapter 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, and we're picking up on verse 24. Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house. But it did not collapse. It had been set solidly on rock. And everyone who listens to these words of mine but does not act on them will be like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house, and it collapsed and was completely ruined. When Jesus finished these words... The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. So, I'm, I'm moving forward here, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I, as we take, even, and go ahead and jump in, but as we take a look into this, um, as we said, this is kind of a part two. Um, talk to me. Well, and I think, Mark, too, the passage you read for us is, is set up actually by the preceding, what, three, four verses? And that's where we actually get the question, right? Because in verse 21, our Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty deeds in your name? So here is where you get... Um, some of the questions, right? Then I will declare them so, suddenly. I never knew you. Depart from you, evildoers. I, I think, Mark, as we open up this text, which is we should start by saying this, uh, it was not unusual for Jewish teachers to remind audiences 
uh, of what he was doing. You know, last week we were talking about the wide and spacious gate versus the what the narrow gate. This morning uh, we're talking about sand versus rock. Um, it was not unusual for Jewish teachers to to warn against false prophets or to stress, say, maybe the importance of bearing fruit, uh, fruit and good works. But what Jesus says next, really, in this gospel is without parallel. So while explaining who will enter the kingdom of heaven from last week into this week, he describes himself as the judge of the world on the final day of reckoning. Right. So the focus is an exchange that Jesus will have with evildoers. Curiously, maybe to many's surprise, the sinners he addresses are not those, Mark, who we might expect, right? Serial murders, militant atheists, godless world rulers. Certainly, <laughs> this might be on the forefront of our mind. Uh, February 23rd, circa 2022, right? Um, these godless rulers. Rather, Mark, and this is so important, they are individuals who live their lives as professed Christians, Right? Isn't this enough to profess Jesus on our lips? These are the folks who, who call Jesus Lord and who claim to have done miraculous works in his name. Yet, in spite of this Christian facade, the judge declares Jesus himself, I never knew you. This should rock us, right? I never knew you. The point is this, that religious confession is no substitute for a personal relationship with Jesus, Mark, and the obligation to obey the Father's will. If our creed, uh, if our creed and conduct are out of alignment, right, if one is not formed by the other, then our profession of Jesus as Lord is not a true submission to his lordship, Right? And this is so important when you start talking about, in the end, what is it that Jesus is after this morning? What does it, what does it mean to be called a true disciple, but the one who does the will of my Father? Now, the one, Mark, who does the will of Jesus' Father in heaven is identical. Again, here we pick up on some of what we were talking about last week. Identical with the tree that bears beautiful fruit. So the one who merely claims Lord, Lord, and does not accompany his clamor <laughs> with deeds is maybe like that beautiful tree, Mark, from, from a distance, that beautiful thick-leaved tree from a distance that looks so healthy, so vibrant. Yet, as you get closer to it, in all of its bushiness, there's really no fruit there. It would be maybe... Uh, like the sun. So just as it is impossible for, say, the fiery sun not to give forth heat and light, these being that the manifestation of the sun's very nature, so too we could say that, that the Christian planted and pruned by Christ must produce fruit. This is what the philosophers, Mark, would talk about in relationship to how we think about God in, in his essence and existence, which is to say we don't separate. When you talk about God, you don't separate essence and existence, right? Being and act. For God to be is is to be good, 
right? Exactly. <laughs> to be is to be good. And to do good is in him identical with to be father. And so what does all of that mean? Well, if we are in God then and we are listening to God, the Father, we are going to, to bear the fruit because in him he knows one thing, to, to bear the, the blessed fruit of his own son. And this is the grace he wants to lavish upon us. And so it is, again, a matter of obeying his will. It is not, a, it is not about uh, what you say, especially, especially if what you say is not in alignment with what you do. Right? And this is, I think, Mark, in the end, something that brings us back to a point we made some months ago. Um, you know, we are not human doings, but human beings. Right, well, right. What does that mean? <laughs> well, it puts an emphasis on how the doing, right, uh, is to come out of the being. And this is why we, we reflect upon the importance of essence, existence, being in action. Because we are first human beings, persons who are called to be in relationship with God. And what we do, how we act, comes out from what that means in our being and in, in our relationship with God in him. And Joe, I, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to oversimplify it, but really, as you were talking, one of the things that came to mind is, you know, we can look the part, but not play the part, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I say it not to oversimplify it because really how you articulated it is really, it's taken us layers deeper. You know, I think a lot of people can maybe relate to this saying of, you know, you, know, you can look the parts, but you got to play the part, but really you got to be the part. You know, and that's kind of getting into what we were talking about, the you know, human de- beings versus human doings. You know, when you went back, I want to come back to something you said earlier. You talked about the creating conduct when they don't match up with each other. You know, again, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is, you know, the Greek for creed is credo, which means to believe. You know, when your belief and your conduct don't match up with one another, right? In particular, yeah. in light of yeah. being a disciple of Jesus Christ and a follower of Jesus... You know, it's no accident, Joe, that the scriptural reference to verses 21 to 23, and I think I got ahead of us, by the way. <laughs> so I just jumped to the two foundations. So thank you for giving it context. But, oh, no you know, we talk about the, the two foundations, but the context of that scripture, verses 21 to 23, is the, the true disciple. Isn't the true disciple? You know, and so that, that creed and the conduct match up with each other, Um it's, I'm reminded of Pope Paul VI and John Paul II both said it. Uh, John Paul echoed it in a little bit of a different way. That the church is in need of witnesses in as much as they are teachers and teachers in as much as they are witnesses. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's, even, like, that's not something to bypass so quickly or just to reference and, and move on. But I really think we are made to reflect on that. And the scripture is calling us to reflect on that. Uh, there's, there's a kind of examination here, Joe. And so when you, when you said the confession of faith is no substitute for a personal relationship with Jesus, um, well, gosh, that sounds very evangelical, right? All of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute. But really at the heart of our faith, and every disciple knew this, and of course they had the incredible opportunity, every apostle knew it, is the relationship with Jesus Christ. It's got to be front and center. And so when you said, uh, you know, for the Christian, like, in, in a certain sense, there was no option, but you discuss God. Well, God is good. God is the definitive good. And so, yeah. well, go ahead, Joe. 
Well, and, and you're making an important point, and it's to highlight that doctrine is not about something but someone, right? And you come exactly. to enter into the mystery of doctrine itself by first entering into the mystery of that someone, which is by virtue, what? Yes. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You mentioned credo, belief, what we believe, right? Well, belief, faith, faith in the Hebrew, emunah, just not this ascent into something of the unknown, but more in the Hebrew, when you talk about faith, faithfulness, a firm response, responsive listening. What's the dynamic there, Mark? Relationship. Again, conversation with God. When you begin to reflect upon the creed, what we believe, and, and all of its systematic structure, the Trinity, creation, the Paschal mystery, all of it, these things are only going to be alive <laughs> when we first, uh, or until at least, when we first enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. These things will, will come to life when our Lord has first come to life in our heart. And so it is to say we look upon all of that which we profess in the Christian Catholic faith, Mark, within the context of the Paschal mystery as a lived reality, because Jesus has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there's a reason why Pentecost is the birth of the church, because without the gift of the Holy Spirit, without this gift of life, you know, what, what is it that we are doing, right? This is, this is something worth pondering when you when reflecting upon this passage. And, and something else, Mark, too, when you talk about catechist teacher, I was made to reflect upon St. Augustine, you know, when, when he said, I'll convert when I see someone living out this faith, right? <laughs> you know, it's one thing to profess a, a belief in a creed. It's another thing to see it lived in all of its unique dynamic, in all of its dynamic orthodoxy. Uh, this is something different. Right. It, it is for every Christian, for every Catholic. You know it when you see it. There's a reason why we speak of St. Teresa of Calcutta the way we do, you know, because she's a saint in our contemporary mind that we can say, yeah, this is this is the best version of, of what this looks like. Right? And there are many others. But to the common mind, we go to Mother Teresa because she lived it. Right. She entered it in the mystery of the act as and, a good itself. And it's so tangible. You know, and we we see the witness and the truest nature of the word witness right in front of us. Not only just with contemporary and modern technology, there's there's video of her versus looking at the very pious looking holy carts <laughs> where there's a, a glow yeah. around some of the saints' yeah. heads. But hey, some of the saints did have a glow around them. But uh, there's something that we see that's very tangible in someone like like a Mother Teresa, and which is why it's so important. Um, this is why we do the saints of the day at the end of our segment, right, Joe, at the end of the program. Uh, but not just the saints, but it all is reflective to the one who was holy. So a little bit of full circle coming back to it's not just a doctrine, but it's that the doctrine is a person. It's embodied in a man in Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Joe, we got to take a break here in just a few seconds. But I got to say before the break, we keep saying made to reflect. And I think for our listeners thought, you know, that might not be a phrase they're used to. What do we mean by that, Joe? What do we mean made to reflect? Can you do that in 15 seconds? <laughs> it's another way of being inspired by the Spirit to engage a particular thought, text, um, you know, point. Yeah. No, exactly. And thanks, Joe. Uh, if you're listening, you're listening to Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be, well, now we then we'll talk into the two foundations. So stay with us. 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. My Catholic radio journey began when I was in St. Louis going to seminary. In my first year and a half, I would travel from the seminary to St. Louis University to take my philosophy courses, and that's when I'd listen to Catholic radio. Dr. Ray Garendi and Patrick Madrid, and, and it, just, it just moved my heart. And uh, I love apologetics as well. Uh, I love explaining the faith. I love teaching the faith. I love defending the faith. And it, it just kind of lit a fire for me. And so uh, once I became ordained, and then and uh, Bishop Kagan um, asked me to come to Williston, just based on everything that was happening with the oil boom. And uh, although we had a we had a, a, a real presence radio station, eighty nine point one, it was a, it was a pretty pretty small signal. And I just felt like, what greater way to evangelize and reach people from all over the world uh, than than Catholic radio? know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish, one who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. So good to be with you this morning. Um, If you're just tuning in to Awaken, you're listening to Mark Hallcraft and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. If you missed the first portion, the first segment, you can pick us up. Uh, You can download the app. You can download the podcast. Usually the podcast for Awaken is up by noon later that day, or by the end of the day. And so you can always listen to today's episode of Awaken. You can listen to any of our past episodes of Awaken uh, by downloading the podcast. You can come to the Real Presence Radio website. You can download the Real Presence Radio app. Uh, you can also download us on iTunes and a few different different uh, podcasts. What am I, what's the word I'm looking for here, Eli? Platforms. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so... And this is it. So Joe and I are picking up on the two foundations from the Gospel of Matthew. Um, And the question at hand that we're discussing, Jesus, in a rhetorical fashion, says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty deeds in your name? And so as Jesus, you know, asked that question, it's just a reminder the rhetorical nature of the questions that he asks, it's often like, does he know the answer to his own question? Yeah, he does. Uh, but this is, this is the mind of a great teacher. This is a method of a teacher. Uh, and Joe, really, that's what we kind of broke open in the first segment, was diving into this nature of a true disciple 
what is what's the, the nature of the question? But this, we want to take a look at that because then leading into the two foundations, again, Scripture sometimes it it can be a mystery. Is okay, what is literal and what is an analogy or metaphorical? But here, Joe, as we look in the two foundations, Jesus says, "Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock." Fast forward a little bit. He gives some very strong images. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house. Rain, floods, winds. We talked about this a little bit last week in regards to uh, firing up the imagination for mm. us. And, but here, there, there, there's a bit of a literal sense to this. Can you dive into that for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. And we do so maybe with, with, some, uh, with some background here. I, I think it's important, Mark, to note that this brings to conclusion the end of the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount right? So Jesus draws the Sermon on the Mount, gospel, the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 to 7. He brings it to a close with this parable about two builders, one foolish, one wise. And so, as we've already noted, Mark, the parable stresses that obedience to the words of Jesus must be the foundation of our lives. So when we talk about foundation, what we're talking about are the very words of Jesus. So all are destined to to stand before him on the day of judgment. And when that day comes, Jesus will test whether um, we put his gospel into practice. And that's what we've established. Now, the background of the parable is the winter rainy season in Palestine. This, this very wintry, rainy season in Palestine. And, you know, why is it important to, to kind of give some of this con- uh, context, Mark? Because, uh, well, uh, take what you were talking about off the top, right? You live in, in North Dakota, and and to talk about snow and cold is, is different in North Dakota than it is in California, exactly. right? The locals knows, <laughs> knows what this means. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's very important for us to, to understand that this is just not any kind of uh, any kind of winter rainy season in Palestine, or any kind of winter rainy season, but one that's in Palestine, right? When storms blew in powerful winds and torrential rain that 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 quickly fills the dry ravines, resulting in floods. So there's some there's some power in this language. The rapid erosion caused by the rushing water would certainly have devastated any kind of building that would have would have been erected on sand, unless. Unless the house rests on a stable grounding of rock, then and only then can one expect a complete structural collapse, right? So if it's on sand versus rock, uh, the, the, the picture is, is quite clear. Now, uh, the, the Jewish, and again, part of this literal sense, Mark, is, is coming to appreciate how this would have been read in the first century, just not by by uh, geography, but but also by the Word of God, right? Because the Jewish uh, ears familiar with the Scriptures, uh, they would have heard these verses in light of Proverbs chapter 12, verse 7, and Proverbs chapter 14, verse 11. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 7 is, the house of the just stands firm. Proverbs 14, verse 11 is, the house of the wicked will be destroyed. So allusion to these sayings really reinforce the message of the parable. That the wise man is the just man who puts the preaching of Jesus into practice, while the foolish man 
is the wicked man who listens to the word of Jesus but fails to act on it. Now, <laughs> what happens, Mark, uh, when a house is built on sand? Let's really get inside this because this is where it gets exciting, in particular with this text. You and I were talking beforehand the importance of reading the literal sense, just not in geography, just not in the Word of God, but we'll, we'll take it one step further, understanding the style in which the text has been written. So what do I mean by that? Well, in the Old Testament, you have just not any kind of writing, but particular kinds of writing, right? Diabolical writing, uh, you see that in the prophet Daniel. You see poetry, uh, the Psalms are hymns. So the, the, all of these are different kinds of writing. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, at least in the Greek translation of it, there is some there is some uh, unveiling to be had with with these verses because, particular to what verse twenty three, Mark, is it that you read? Yes, the language employed, the Greek employed in verse twenty three, is quite rich. We read, and down came the rain, and in came the rivers, and hard blew the winds, and hurled upon that house, and it did not fall. In the Greek, and you kind of lose this in the English, Mark, but in the Greek, there's this rhythmic progression. It's explosive. And by each verse, by each line, it intensifies. It intensifies of effect through kind of cumulative repetition. And down came the rain, and in came the rivers, and hard blew the winds, and hurled upon the house, and it did not fall. It would be like... 15 miles per hour winds, right? 25 mile per hour winds, 35 mile per hour winds, 45 mile per hour winds, 85 mile per hour winds, and it did not fall. So there's this intensification. And the point here for Jesus is that <laughs> the winds will become great. Yes, you'll, you'll have to deal with the 15 mile per hour wind. You'll have to deal with the 25, 25 mile per hour wind. But the winds will be even greater than that. It, it, they will intensify. They will reach 75, 85 miles per hour. You better be, <laughs> you better be on stable ground because if you're not, you will be knocked down. And Mark in 2022, to obey the will of the Father, to be living in the heart of the church, is to be able to receive what we are talking about now as the inspired word of God and something that is quintessential to the spiritual life because. A lot of people right now are being affected by a lot of false doctrine, a lot of heresy. Right. What did St. Paul say in Romans 16? What did we talk about just last week, right, in the false prophets? They will come to you. Their words will be attractive. They will draw you in. But, but be careful, because you, you, you know a tree by its fruit. If over time they begin to say things that are all the more clearly not of God, then, then be aware. Right? We can, I think, begin to appreciate the relationship between last week all the more and this week, Mark. Because the false prophets, there are many today, and they are all around us. But to be rooted in the faith, to study sacred scripture, to, to know the catechism, um, but above all else, as we do that, to make sure we're doing so in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that all that we read and all that we study may come to life in our heart, that, yes, 
when the 15, 25, 45, and so on and so forth, mile per hour winds hit us, we are firm, we are strong, we are rooted. And certainly this is, this is what Jesus wants us to see. Well, Joe, an image that comes to mind that I think very much depicts uh, the description and the strong language Jesus is using here. You know, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house. And I really like how you're speaking about how there's, there's a very real buildup. You know, how Jesus is communicating this. Um, it, people who not only are there, but as we look in the deeper context of the scripture, there's very, very much building up. The image that comes to mind for me is the image of a lighthouse, which is a very common Christian image. Um, I think typically the Christian image behind the lighthouse is that you would see, you know, for the ship coming into harbor, uh, if the weather is rough, they see the light. Um, they know where their destination is through the light of the lighthouse. And very much a powerful image there. But the image for me that's striking is the lighthouse is... The, is uh, this is the house. This is the structure. Um, if anybody knows anything about lighthouses, you know, you don't see many lighthouses on the West Coast. You see a lot of them on the East Coast, at least in the United States. Uh, and in Canada, it's the same story. You don't see many on the West Coast. We see them on the East Coast. Well, West Coast, they're known for their beaches, in particular the beaches that are very sandy and they have a great depth to them. You can walk a half mile sometimes from the shore uh, to the end of the beach. Uh, East Coast, a lot of the beaches aren't like that, especially the north, north, or the northeast. the The beaches are very rocky; uh, they're boulders, and so the lighthouses that we've seen on the East Coast, they're built on these huge rocks, and they're put in some very dangerous, crazy places. Very, very hard to get to, actually, uh, if you don't know where to go to get to that location. So a lighthouse, by its very nature, it has to be strong. It has to be substantial. Uh, it's heavy in its weight and how it's made. It's built on rock where it's going to withstand everything you just said. It's going to withstand the rain. It's going to withstand the floods. It's going to withstand the high, powerful winds, and not, but with winds coming in at crazy angles uh, where it literally is buffeting the house. It's whipping at the house. Um, it needs to be able to withstand all of that. And this is the church for us, Hanjo. Huh, it's it's the, the church that stands on the rock. And so the, the symbolism there, of course, with Jesus naming Peter to be, you know, the rock from uh, uh, giving him the name, the rock with Petros. Um, yeah. So there's, there's strong imagery there. But for us, um, as you were talking, that was the image that came to mind because just as you were saying, we need to gird ourselves. We need to gird ourselves in the Word of God, in Scripture, to withstand uh, a lot of the, as you said, analogically, what are the current rainstorms? What are the current floods? What are the current winds? What are the things swirling about us to kick up the dust to make it hard to see and where to go? Mm-hmm. And for us, yeah. this is where we lean into Scripture. We lean into the one who, who is the authority, and that is Jesus Christ. Which is interesting. As, as Jesus is offering these words in the two foundations, I, I read it at the very beginning. But then we, we read, okay, so the rain, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house, and it collapsed and was completely ruined. That marks the end of, of that story he shared. Again, 
that use of teaching. But then we read, when Jesus finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. He wasn't just one passing on the story, Joe, but he taught it as one who has authority. Yeah, one who has authority and and one who was the final judge, right? So that's that's what makes you know this 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 teaching altogether um, different. And and so he's saying, hey, um, the hardness of rock rooted faith withstands the the harshness of every form of violence, um, and and. and this is what he's he's conveying. Um, you know, Mark, we were talking beforehand, um, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time left in this segment, but I do think we should touch upon it. Um, and, and that's what are maybe the more particular kinds of of conflict that we deal with inside inside of our own families that might uh, <laughs> be that. Not just 15 mile power wind or 25 mile power wind, but but even the higher wind. Because one of the things we are seeing today in 2022 is a breakup of the family, right? And there's all sorts of reasons that are causing that. Of which I would argue, first and foremost, is just, and I speak generally now, but man's unwillingness to sacrifice. But in the end, there's there's things there's there's things inside of that. Um, I know there are a few things you were thinking about on that point because this, oh, yeah. this, this topic is very important. For sure, Joe. I mean, we. I think a lot of times, and it's important to denote the feeling of it. We feel entangled within our emotions, especially the emotions that can come with these relationships that are closest to us. You know, those relationships so close to those that we love, family and friends, who all of a sudden we may not be on the same page with that we like we once were. Hanjo, huh, yeah. you know. Um, yep. Yep. You know, that that is a challenge. That's one that can be very, uh, well, it's just, it's just hard, you know, and it's, it's a lived reality for so many of us, you know, but nonetheless, it's still disheartening. Um, you know, we're often made to feel we're in the position that you choose, well, you either choose Jesus or you choose family. Well, you choose family because family's closest. It's like, well, actually, Jesus has something else to say about that, Joe. Yes. Right? Yes. He says, yep. you know, uh, essentially, I, I, you know, I will separate father from daughter and mother from son. Not, well, that could be really, that could be tricky, Joe. Like, so, what, well, so Jesus is dividing? So religion separates? And that's often the mantra out in our culture mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. religion is divisive, right? God and Jesus, and that's what, and for some people, that's why they say, well, I'm just spiritual. I don't want to be religious because religious is divisive. Yeah. But what does that say then about the authority of scripture and then, what we, what I just said, as far as the importance of us leaning into Scripture to gird us, to ground us. Well, what is mm-hmm. Jesus getting at? I mean, I'm sure that's another episode <laughs> coming down the pike. But, yeah. but just for the snapshot purpose for today, mm-hmm. and to give a little context, it's Jesus saying, if you do not put me at the center of all these things, these very good things that I have given you, family, friends, uh, economic wealth, whatever it is, if it, if it does not surround me, if I'm not at the center of it, then it's going to be chaos anyway, and you you will feel emotionally entangled and, and yeah. lost, and you won't know which way is up. Yeah. So let me just tell you, I mean, so it's Jesus really giving us a cue and a hint, keep me at the center, and all these things, many of which are very good, will be where they belong in their proper place. Joe, we got to take a break. 
But when we come back, let's pick up on this. Let's let's wrap that piece up, and then we can go into Absolutely. our saint of the day. Yeah, stay with good. us. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. Religion, because of the very nature of what we're dealing with here, God, my most fundamental relationship, my, you know, this groundwork for my, most of my social relationships is so highly emotional for people that if you're going through a place in which your fundamental core beliefs are being challenged or uh, you might think that they might be wrong in some way or maybe they need to be you know, clarified or, or some distinction might need to be brought. Getting around that emotion and having a place where you're, you feel safe, like you don't have to you know, protect yourself, is one of the most fundamentally important moments or, or, or characteristics of helping to bring somebody through a conversion because everybody wants to feel safe publicly. And uh, that's why, you know, the relationship is very often something that comes before the hard conversations with people. Sure. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. We're coming into the final segment of our show this morning. And Joe, I just wanted to cap off where we left off before the break. Um, we were talking about how in the, the emotional entanglements that sometimes can surround us when we're made to feel we need to choose faith as if faith was divided from family. Um, or when we have the experiences that, you know, some would say, well, gosh, these, we just, the, that relationship, it just faded. You know, we weren't on the same page anymore. Um, whether it's a person's priorities that have changed or if the priorities have changed between both those people in that relationship. Um, but when it comes to family, that could be, and, and close friends, that's particularly hard, Hanjo. Huh, and, and so that scripture comes to mind when Jesus says, um, you know, I will separate father from daughter and mother from son. You know, if we don't take a deeper look, and I'm not looking for, you know, we're not breaking open that scripture today, but the context of the swirling winds around us that can, in, in a certain spiritual sense and uh, a figurative sense, knock us off our feet, you know, and we lose our sense of our, our true north, uh, engaging the faith and where the faith has always been a rock for us. It's always been a go-to place, a refuge for us. And in our current times, for many of us, 
uh, we're not feeling that way anymore. You know, a lot of the dust mm-hmm. has been swirling. It's been swirling outside the church. It's now swirling with, from within, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's making yeah. us question a lot of things. Um, but I know you had a couple of things you wanted to comment about that. Yeah, and, and maybe just f- first, Mark, ask a question, um, a, a question I ask myself on a regular basis in light of the passage you cited and a question I ask others around me when they find themselves struggling inside their family or maybe with a relationship they have at work uh, or something of the like, and it's this. Are we the keepers of peace? Are we the keepers of peace? Because a lot of us think we are, right? But I say emphatically, we're not. The great fault line today in 2022 is to think we are keepers of peace. So we accept false teaching. We accept heresy. We, we, we accept moral issues as first political issues, religious and theological issues as, as second to where we stand politically. This is incredulous. Jesus comes to us. What? In the peace of God. Peace is, is a goal of the Christian life, one we cannot achieve outside of relationship with God. We talk about peace. This is not just, as we've noted before, just the absence of, of war, warfare, but first and foremost, spiritual wel- welfare. Peace, shalom, to be in deep covenant harmony with God. <laughs> Religion isn't divisive. The, the ideology that we are keepers of peace is what's divisive, right? We are only keepers of peace to the extent that we live in the incarnation of peace. Because in him is the fullness of revealed truth. Who are we to think that we have a claim on all truth? Truth itself is what leads us to peace. Oh, we are fools. And this is what Jesus is speaking to in today's gospel, Mark. The gospel we read this morning. We are fools to think that we are keepers of peace. That is a very, very soft and fine sand. But the rock, to build a house on rock, is to understand that Jesus is the keeper of peace. Too many people, by the grace of God, go I. Think that they are keepers of peace by not judging, by not saying anything, by not speaking up. And we've spoken of this on one hand. There is a need to listen to the, to the one speaking, aware that, that the one speaking to you might be broken. And so that, that person speaking to you might not be able to hear what you need to say. So, yes, you need to listen and respond to what they have to say, bringing them into the into the fullness of of truth and life, answering their question, accompanying them into the truth, accompanying them back to peace. All around us, there are heavy, heavy winds, yes. And inside our families, I dare say, I dare say (laughs) those heavier winds, those heavier winds are those who, who think they are keeping peace by continually saying nothing. Or by just simply saying, this isn't the right time. That is a false narrative, right? That is not love. Timing is everything, yes. But it's all to say, Mark, 
that we are not the keepers of peace. Jesus is. If I might draw a football analogy to then we can go to Polycarpus Smyrna. <laughs> I was thinking about this during the break. It just kind of flashed in my mind. You know, we, uh, you know, I, I think all of us are familiar with uh, the, the quarterback position or if we're not right, a quarterback drops back and he goes into, right, he goes into what's called the pocket. And, and the pocket is, right, you know, that space created by his offensive lineman around him, you know, and this so protected great, bubble. Yeah, it's yeah, supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's supposed to be right. You know, the great quarterbacks, when pressure is coming in on them, will stay in the pocket. Right? Will stay in the pocket and and still make his progressions. Right? Maybe he was thinking about hitting hitting the first receiver, but he's covered. So while the, the linemen are coming in and the defensive linemen are coming in and they're about to sack him, he's still making a second progression, third progression, and might, he might even hit the fourth progression, the, back coming, the running back coming out of the backfield. All right, so now if you don't follow football, you're lost. But that's <laughs> like Progressions, you lost me. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> the bottom line is, right, if, if you are poised, right, you're going to be the better quarterback. What does Jesus say? Peace, be still. This is the Sea of Galilee, right? Heavy, heavy wind. Something similar to what, what we've been talking about. Peace, be still. Peace isn't the absence of something, but, but being in the company of Jesus. Trusting Jesus. Right? That the quarterback trusts his lineman. He trusts that he's going to be able to make his progressions. In the spiritual life... In the spiritual life, we have to trust Jesus, right? And understand that no, no matter what the force might be coming down on us, in Jesus ultimately is our greatest, uh, is where we find our greatest trust, right? So anyhow, I don't mean to belabor this point because we do need to get to Polycarp of Smyrna, but it's an important point nonetheless in, in reflecting upon this gospel. Well, absolutely, Joe. I think one of the lies that our culture and that any one of us can fall prey to is that the idea that peace cannot coincide with doctrine or the rock or with law. You know, you know, peace is often made to feel uh, it, it just uh, almost a flighty, um, non-confrontational aspect. And, and I think this is actually in regards to St. Polycarp, uh, one of his contemporaries, uh, spiritual heroes and brothers of the faith, uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch, one of the things he had to say regarding Polycarp, Polycarp, your mind is grounded in God as on an immovable rock. And mm. this same saint talks about, uh, he, he shares a story of something he saw with, in regards to Polycarp, where there were some heretical people who were really fighting for, he's the leader of the Marcionites, uh, presenting a dualistic heresy so and we'll get into some of the context of polycarp in a moment but he's immediately confronting polycarp and he demands respect by saying to polycarp recognize that recognize us polycarp and polycarp responded i recognize you yes i recognize the son of satan well that sounds almost harsh right and yet what what polycarp was known for is he was known for his gentleness um he was surrounded by constant christian disagreements and he was known for his forgiveness and his respect and one that demanded respect not only of himself, but of others. So that's what he's known for. 
So how peace can coincide with, it's not that you're trying to be confrontational as much as, and this is important for our time, as much as we are just teaching and defending the faith or communicating and trying to embody the faith. You know, a lot of times we're, uh, a Christian is depicted as one who is aggressive and divisive and really what's devi- what's aggressive and divisive, what's on the, the affront in many ways comes from the culture of death and we're just responding, but we are responding as if on an immovable rock. We will not change. And this is, Polycarp gives a great witness to this. Polycarp was a witness, Joe, uh, and a disciple of St. John the Evangelist, right? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, St. John the Evangelist. Polycarp was a, a contemporary and uh, a student of his, essentially. So he bears a very unique mark in the church of the great saints that were the first ones, the first uh, listeners and disciples of those original apostles. And so he bears a unique mark in that some of the challenges he saw, he was there, you know, what did those first saints, those first faithful men and women do once all the apostles were gone? When Jesus called all those, God called all those apostles home. Yeah. And then he bore a very unique situation in that these, these heresies, of course, what happens, Jesus goes and all kinds of heresies or affronts, um, different versions, uh, just persecutions were very strong, not just... From within, right? A lot of false doctrines. But then the culture of the Roman Empire that was anti-Christian with a variety of emperors um, that were the leader of the land to make it, I mean, talk about an anti-Christian. Was the anti-Christian sentiment was so strong that, you know, many of our listeners have heard about, you know, in the arena, and not just, you know, maybe popularized by the gladiator for those who've seen that movie, but just even historically speaking, a lot of the first Christians were put to death by being fed to the lions. You know, throw them in the arena. And at that time, the culture was so strong. The ancient Romans really believed they were doing the earth a favor by ridding the world of these Christians because they didn't believe in their gods. Right? They were so convinced in their uh, polytheistic ways of the Roman gods. These Christians, their claims are nuts. So they really believed they were doing the world a favor by ousting these early Christians. Um, one of the things that stands out, I think, in particular with Polycarp Joe was the way he died. You know, the, as, it, as it goes here, the fire was lit as Polycarp said amen, and then eyewitnesses reported they saw a miracle. Uh, he uttered a prayer um, of that the Lord would protect him and that he would be glorified as a martyr uh, Polycarp was not afraid to die but then so they were going to put him on fire and then the fire burst up in an arc around Polycarp the flames surrounding him like sails and instead of being burned he seemed to glow like a bread baking or gold being melted in a furnace when the captors saw he wasn't being burned alive they in turn then stabbed him and then after they stabbed him the blood that flowed out of Polycarp put the fire out so incredible detail uh, in light of that. But Joe, I know you, you're aware of other aspects. We, polycarp is what's so neat about what we get to know is here he is, one of the earliest saints of the church right after the apostles. And we actually have some records of, of what he wrote. Uh, he wrote a letter. Uh, he's known as the Bishop of Smyrna. Um, 
Joe, I know you had some things you wanted to share, though, too. Yeah, sure. All all of what you said, Mark, I I think is very important to um, the context to which we speak, right? With, you know, with regards to, to sand and rock, and you highlighted that. Among many things about Polycarp um, was, as we talk about defending the faith, was the way in which he did it, you know, as you describe it, with, with great boldness. But in some cases, we have been made aware through um, documentation that as he did it with great boldness, yes, he also did it with a great deal of charity, a gentleness, reverence. Uh, he was very unassuming. Um, in fact, when he was captured, he, he basically, when they went to his house, he basically said, you know, take me. He, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't going to play the game. You know, he said, I, I, I am ready. Uh, and, and, and even in that initial encounter with the, um, with the Roman officials that came to, to capture him, he was evangelizing them, right, as he was being taken to the amphitheater uh, to be burned, as, as you talked about it. So it would be first to highlight that while he was a man of great boldness and certainly bluntness, we could also say yeah, yeah. he also embraced First Peter three three fifteen right. Um, give hope for the reasons that are inside of you, um, but always do so in gentleness and reverence. And these are the virtues that do engage. These are the virtues that help bridge, uh, build the bridge from which truth shall pass. And indeed, truth passed when it came to. Uh, Polycarp. It's interesting, Mark, when he entered uh, the Colosseum, there was a great voice, and and everyone inside the Colosseum heard it, that said, show yourself to be a man, Polycarp. Show yourself to be a man. Uh, And that line has always stayed with me, with his narrative, with his story, because really, it begs the question, what does it mean to be a man, right? What does it mean to, to be a son of God uh, in you know masculine in our in our in our masculine makeup. Well, he showed us, right? In his final prayer, he talked again and again about being a cup offered to Christ. And as we we were talking earlier, Mark, about the importance of of or at least I hinted at it, um, sacrifice within the family. How important is it that we have a figure like Polycarp who shows us what it means to be a man of God, one who's willing to donate his life in the name of Jesus Christ. And for this, and to the life of Polycarp, we say amen. St. Polycarp, pray for us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.